There are 7.5 billion people on planet Earth, and scientists say you can only make friends with 400 of them. Jacob already has 400 friends, so now he can only talk to strangers. This is a podcast with strangers. So, uh, why am I here again? I don't know why I'm here. Uh, Jake, Jake had no surgery. He's, uh, mm. his nose, I don't, I don't know. He asked, he asked me to find a, another guy to do the, the intro and all the, uh, what? but you know, we, we have a rapport, you know, we, we, we've done this together, did the whole podcast thing. So I thought, you know, I mean, yeah, technically, I guess, uh, I mean, you were kind of just recording me talking. I don't know if that really counts though. That's all, that's all podcasting is. All right. Uh, so what do you, Jake, usually do for the intro thing, I guess? Uh, first, we, uh, you can pull up Jake. So you're, you're Jake this time. He, uh, he introduces the podcast. Do I, do I have to be Jake? Yeah, you're the Jake in this. I'm, I mean, you could be me, but I'm me. So I'm going to continue doing that. I can't, I can't really, I'm, I'm not really good with a British accent or anything, uh, and I don't think I'm a big of an asshole as Jake is, so it might be a bit difficult for me. Yeah, I mean, you could try. Yeah, I guess. So, uh, yeah, yeah, he starts off by introducing the podcast and giving his Twitter. For some reason, he does that. He gives his Twitter. Uh, okay. Um, uh, channeling. Channeling, 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 channeling. Give me a second. All right, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. Sorry. I, I, wherever he is, his spirit must be too far gone in the afterlife for me to reach out. I don't, I'm just not, I'm not feeling it. He's not dead. He's still alive. Oh, the surgery went fine. Oh. Yeah, oh. He just his nose is all, yeah, he can't breathe or something. I don't know. I was kind of hoping he was dead. Well, that's probably why you couldn't channel them. So uh. yeah, no, that explains it. All right. Uh, well, that that idea is shot. Um, yeah, this is. Uh, it's not stress test. It's not fake. No, it's uh, um, It's not Hartford Boys. Which one is this? It's a podcast with strangers. A podcast with strangers. Yeah, but what's the name of the podcast? No, that that's the name of the. It's a podcast. Who's on first? Um. Yeah. Nah. Welcome to the podcast with strangers. I knew that. Um. I'm your host. Amac, also known as Adam, filling in for Jake, also known as Jake. He had no surgery. He's not feeling too hot. Uh, and I'm told he gives his Twitter handle, so I will gladly do the same. I am at A underscore Mac underscore 0079 for all your Gundam Garma and shitposting needs. And then he introduces me as like his sidekick or something, kind of in that, uh, that general Dallas. We're two guys from Hartford. I've known him since middle school. He's not really my sidekick. If anything, I don't know. We're like failed enemies. Hey, guys, I'm Dallas, Adam's sidekick. Okay, uh, Dallas, what guests do we have to do today? What are we starting off with? What are we doing? Today is the Red episode, like the Taylor Swift Red album. This is the best episode, Hope, hopefully. Who who came up with this fucking title? Yeah, it was Jake. That explains a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, uh, yeah. Who, who's the first guest? Oh shit! I was supposed to write that down. Um. Are you, am I, are you, am I the one unprepared here, or is that you? 
Now, this is actually how most episodes go. Jake usually doesn't know this either. Um, It's Angelina. Angelina. I don't know. What does Angelina do, or do we not get into that? Uh, they are a salsa expert. Like making salsa or like the dance? Like making salsa. Oh, I get it. Red episode. Yeah, yeah, you get it? I guess salsa can be green, too. Well, yeah, but I I don't know. The cliche salsa. Well, it's also... Let's just roll it. Let's just let's just get into it. Yeah, I mean, it's your fucking podcast, man. You want to call this an intro and fucking ship it? Your fucking funeral. I'm gonna start the interview now. Okay. Go for it. Whatever. When can I masturbate? My next guest is Angelina from California. Hello. Hi. How's it Hi. going? It's going great. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. So, I managed to find you. Um, in a community that I thought didn't exist. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I, I was surprised. I was shocked at how passionate people are about this one thing. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's a thing that I think has a lot of meaning to a lot of people. Like, like you know, like family ties, maybe potentially like recipes and stuff like that. Definitely. Um, I think it's, you could even say it's a culture, you know, sure. that's growing for sure. Right. So that one thing is salsa, as in the dip. Yes. As um, in the dip, as in the, you know, the side dish, the even the main course for some people. Really? Yeah. I mean, oh. I've, I've been notorious for just sitting down and, and stuffing my face with salsa and chips and then refusing to have dinner. But, but uh, you know, yeah. it, it's good. It's it's salsa is definitely um, a very it like I said I can't really speak for it because I I, I don't know if salsa is like strictly from Mexico mm. um, or if it's just like a, a you know I mean it's it's hard there's cultures come up with so many different things uh-huh. and there's a lot of there's a lot of cross you know like you you think you have the Italians that came up with noodles yeah. and then you go to China and they have noodles too you know sure. so. So I, I, I don't really know the history on salsa that well, but let's say for the sake of this, it's uh, at least my introduction to salsa was strictly from the Mexican culture. Yeah. And I, I should preface this by saying I am not Mexican, but mm-hmm. I am Latina. And that's, you know, just I do share a lot of roots in growing up here in Southern California. It's definitely you. You cannot avoid the Mexican culture at all. It is all around you so uh i would say that i am a fan of salsa but by no means am i an expert (laughs) well you say that you say that but compared to me in dallas us mere mortals you probably have more of an insight um you guys are both from the uk right or or jacob you're from yeah i'm from the uk and salsa is definitely not a uk dish uh salsa did not come from england um, <laughs> Dallas, I believe, is uh, Alabama. Yeah, southern, southern U.S. So the yeah. you know it 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 it's around here, pretty pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. One thing in the salsa subreddit, salsa snobs, um, there is a lot of people that ask questions. Hey, I live in this part of the United States. Where would I find good Mexican food? Mm. And of course, as you know, you would always go where you see you know, Mexican people going. 
And I think with the, you know, with this country, there's a lot of Mexicans all over the place. They're not just in California, not just yeah. in Texas. You know, they're in they're in Colorado. They're in uh, Pennsylvania. They're in Nebraska. You know, so there's definitely a, a, if there's a people there, you could find the food. And right. I can 100 percent assure people that the best tacos I've ever had have not been here in Los Angeles. They've been I've had the best tacos in um, in Chicago, Illinois. Wow. So that's yeah, really surprising. Just, it is. It is. And I, I, I guess, you know, for sure, Californians yeah. as a whole try to. You know, we, we do carry ourselves a little bit more superior than the rest of the country, right? Because, I mean, we're Californian, you know? Um, so I think one of the things Californians tend to do is have this this preconceived notion that the, California is the best in Mexican food. Yeah, from an outsider point of view, I would, I would assume that too. Or potentially New Mexico. Or New Mexico. Not yeah. because it has Mexico in the name, but because obviously it's proximity to, to Mexico. But, but you could argue te Texas is the same. You know what I mean? Like you could argue. Yeah, yeah. I think you may be right. And I've been wanting to go to Texas for the longest time to you know try that because I know they do have their Tex-Mex. Food. Exactly. Yeah, which is one of my favorite cuisines, which is hilarious. Really? Yeah, because it's. I mean, but here's the thing: like, I'm all the way in the Atlantic on a damp rock. What Mexican place is gonna be authentic here? You know, it's it's not. I mean, I'm saying that with my narrow worldview. I'm sure there's good Mexican places here, but I, I'm also sure that they're few and far between. You know. Well, I'm curious. I wonder how many. Mexican immigrants are living in the UK. That that's something I'm going to have to look up after this. Yeah, I'd be interested too. What's what I mean? What are the main ingredients that would you say that go into salsa? Well, for sure, tomatoes, yeah. onions, um, garlic, and then whatever type of spicy pepper you want to put in there. If you want to have mm. spicy salsa, because that's not a requirement. You have the, we do have the climate to make good salsa in the UK. That's interesting. I didn't realize. Yeah, I think we've actually had a couple of um, redditors ask where they can find good ingredients, and mm. and one of the one of the ingredients in in salsa verde, which is green salsa, mm. um, would be a tomatillo, and a tomatillo is kind of like related to the tomato, but it's a green greenish type tomato. Okay. If that makes sense. Is it sweeter or? It's not necessarily sweeter. I think it would be a little bit more bitter in comparison to mm. tomatoes. And that's the thing. There's so many variety of tomatoes, right? You got right. your Roma, your beefsteak. There's the cherry tomatoes. You know, there's so many. And, and we can get into that with, with peppers because there's mm -hmm. a lot of different spicy peppers. Right. Um, so I, I don't know if... Tomatillos are are easy to find in the UK, but I've had a we've had a, quite a few people ask, you know, and I think a lot of that we even have some users that just end up growing their own their own tomatillos in their own garden, and I think that's a that's a big part of um, the subreddit as well is using ingredients that you have grown yourself. Oh, Dana's just posted something. What did he post? Oh, he's posted a picture of the of the tomatoes themselves. Almost look uh, like like a uh, like a Granny Smith almost. <laughs> yeah, color. I guess. 
Yeah, they do have this this uh, little shell around them, but you take that off and then, you know, you can you can either boil them or you can roast them. Hmm. There's uh, that's all also a whole nother interesting aspect to salsas itself is, you know, if you want to have like more of a, a fresh raw salsa, you can yeah. just cut up all the ingredients, you know, the tomato, the onions, the pepper, um, and just use it like right out of the right out of the garden you can and then you know i think most of people who try to get more flavor into their salsa uh, ends up roasting the ingredients so you could either um my favorite way is to put it on the grill you know like a charcoal or um yes gas grill yeah and and just roast them on there so that way they they brown a little bit and i don't know what the exact science is behind that but mm -hmm. it's kind of like toast you know you you put bread into the toaster it heat happens yeah. and then yeah. it comes out it's a whole different thing right scientifically speaking yeah yeah so that that's one of the other types of salsa is if you roast your salsa and then um, also, depending on how finely you chop your ingredients, mm -hmm. you could e either have a more chunky salsa, yeah. which would be kind of like a, a pico de gallo, which is it's it's a definitely a all fresh or I should probably say raw ingredients. Yeah. Um, and then you chop them kind of like chunky. I'm sure yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Dallas, right? what, are you a, are you a chunky guy, Dallas? Or are you a, a, a more oh, liquid? Really? Yeah, I love chunky sauce. You're chunky. I'm more of a. I think I'm. I'm a. I'm a. What would what would be the antithesis to chunky? Would it just be liquid? I'm into liquid salsa. Yeah, is that a good it way? It would be <laughs> like runny, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I think you get more coverage. That's, that's true. That's true. Well, then, and then I have to ask: How do you prefer to have your salsa? Do you just prefer to have it straight up with a couple of tortilla chips? Oh yeah. Or do you like, you know, put it. You could put salsa on any food, honestly. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, but here's my question for you: why, why is it, why is it salsa that tickles your pickle when obviously the the the, the trinity that goes on to to nachos is the salsa, the guacamole, and the sour cream? Oh yeah. Why have you gone full into the salsa camp, or do you also have side passions of guacamole and and the sour yes. cream? Yes. Well, we definitely consider guacamole as a salsa. And wow! <laughs> oh! Yeah. And I also, see. I'd like to mention, although mm. everyone here in the States, we kind of consider like bottles of hot sauce. Yeah. We, 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 we draw a distinction between salsa and hot sauce, right? Okay. But in, in probably most of Latin America, to them, it's the same thing they're all salsa which if you think about it it kind of makes sense yeah. like if you get a bottle of hot sauce and i'm not talking about like like southern style hot sauce or um the like louisiana style of hot sauce or even like buffalo sauce yeah. i don't i'm not entirely sure if they would consider that salsa hmm. but it's kind of made in the same way it's just it's just the, the the objective way of classifying things like for example like lasagna technically is a type of cake because it has layers, it's a filling in layers. You know? I suppose so. Yeah, it's it's just objective. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that's like asking if a hot dog is a sandwich. There you go. Yeah. 
or a hamburger. I didn't know. I didn't realize that people classified guacamole as a salsa, and it's actually amazing. Now you think about it, that hot sauce is. Uh, it's also a salsa. Is indeed a salsa. And I guess I should also mention. I'm not sure if you're familiar with mole, which is also a salsa, but it's primarily made out of chocolate. Oh. Yes. So. That for sure, I I have not made any mole mole for myself. Mm. Um, I've always either had someone else make it for me, but it is very good. But I don't know if I personally would qualify that as a salsa right. because, I, you know, it just isn't. But it is so, mm. and I, I'm no authority on that. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot of things that would be salsa like you can also make salsa out of avocado but it's not guacamole it's salsa that's made out of avocado (laughs) 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 there's even there's even salsa made out of peanuts how they do that i'm not entirely sure yeah it's kind of it's i i'm assuming it's more of a ground up peanut and it might be mostly the oil or I'm not sure. That's something I'm still, wow. I have to learn for myself. And but it's not a peanut butter. It's not a peanut butter. But you could make it chunky, <laughs> you right? Could, I, I, I haven't seen it made chunky. Okay. And the only way you know that there's peanut is in there is because you can actually taste it a little bit. I see. Like the, oh, the wow. peanut is kind of used as a, I'm not sure how to say it, but like to lessen the spice, if that makes sense. So they'll use a very spicy pepper, like like chile de arbol, or some other ones that you know, and then um, throw in the peanut in there to kind of, you know, have a good balance between, you know, like a savory and a spicy. I guess that's kind of like why avocado is also used. Other than avocado being great, yeah. I mean that's like a a wonder fruit. It's all about balancing the spicy with uh, the like salty or even the sweet like uh, one of my favorite salsas is also um, salsa made out of mangoes Mm. and you wouldn't think to put that in there but it tastes so delicious because the mango brings in a sweet flavor that does sound amazing i need to try that definitely um you can make it i mean i think that's one of the beautiful things about salsa making is that it's very much you can do it at home. All you need is mm. a knife and a cutting board and your ingredients and you're good to go. You can make salsa, any type of salsa. More, the, the more, is it mortar and pestle? Yeah, you can also use mortar and pestle, which I believe, and, and also again, forgive me, my Spanish is not my first language and I'm still right. kind of learning Spanish. Um, and on to top that off, I'm, I, I'm, I'm half Argentinian. Oh. So... So, yeah, uh, we are not necessarily, I'm not going to say it's a different type of Spanish, but there is a thick accent on it. Yeah, it's um, it's like Portuguese and Brazilian. Brazilian Brazilian isn't a language, it is Portuguese, but the the regional dialect is completely different. So, um, I believe the term is molcajete. And and it's it's a very, I believe it's made out of um, volcanic rock. Yeah. Um, You can find, there's like, there's these really good TikTok videos or or um, YouTube videos where you see the how they make the the mortar and pestle out of the like one chunk of volcanic rock and and yeah it's really good 
I've made salsa like that a couple of times, but I guess I just kind of prefer more of the chunky salsa. So that's not exactly yeah, the well. best way to use to get to achieve chunky salsa. No. But yeah, like I said, if you want to get started making salsa, you know, upgrading your salsa, because let's be real, the, the pre-made stuff that you find in the grocery stores is is not very good. No. And also, I should probably mention it's not very healthy either mm. because they got all the preservatives in there and they end up... Sometimes I've looked at the ingredients of the store-bought salsas, like the is it the tostitos or or whatever and um they have a lot of sugar in them too and so it's like you know we, why why waste you know why ingest that stuff when it's kind of an easy thing to make at home yeah and if you want you can always make yourself a lot and you can save it for later um i've even frozen salsa you know and you just pull some out whenever you want it's crazy. It's crazy how much um, is sold in supermarkets that would be relatively easy to make. Um, yeah. It's just the convenience of just taking it off the shelf. And there you go. You have it. Like, I, I don't think a lot of people realize, like, how good stuff can taste if you just take, like, 10, 15 minutes tops making something. I'm not talking about bread. Like, making bread takes fucking hours. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah that's for sure. well, I, well, I mean, some people would argue, like, if you have a, if you have a sourdough culture, you just cut a bit off and then bake that. But, you know, it's it's taking care of something like that as well. I've always wanted to try making sourdough. Yeah, I've heard of people making uh, cultures because it it, it it responds to the yeast, I believe. And um, there's, like, infinite numbers of, like, yeast combinations out there. So people have found yeast in in, in wacky places and then made bread. I believe they even made... Um, they made bread using yeast that they found in like Pompeii. Wow! So it tasted exactly like what the Romans would have would have uh, eaten back in the day. Wow! I know in San Francisco, apparently there's a, a you know a sourdough start. I believe is what it's called. Yeah. That's that they've been keeping in the city for hundreds of years, or maybe yeah. not hundreds of years, but you know, ever since the like. 18 ever since the gold rush i guess and when right. when california got its start because the city of san francisco is known for their sourdough uh um, bread yeah so mm. i mean don't quote me on that but i've heard that's the rumor there that there is a ancient you know <laughs> sourdough start that they've just been taking off slowly by slowly and you know that's how they've been making their sourdough bread so good. Living, living in the city sewers, squelching around like a little monster. <laughs> right. Hundred foot long. Okay, Angelina, it's been a blast, uh, but we're gonna have to move it to the end. But we say this to every person who comes on. We like to give them a platform at the end of the interview where they can shout out themselves or a cause or a charity or somebody they know of. Anything. This, uh, you know, maybe you want to send a message to the world. This is your time. This is your moment. No interruptions. Um, to plug and talk about anything. Give something some clout. You know. So this is your time. I'll I'll keep it to salsa because I feel like, you know, it's it, it's one of my like hobbies that is stress free. That I think. In, in general cooking is a great hobby to have it's a great life skill to have and if you can make your own salsa at home 
you will upgrade your cooking a thousand percent. You will be the cool person at the parties. At the Super Bowl party, when everyone brings their own dish, you can bring your own homemade salsa and blow people's minds. You will literally knock their socks off if you tell them, hey, I made this with my own two hands. And um, it's not that hard. So please feel free to join the subreddit. It's r slash salsa snobs. Um, even though we are calling ourselves salsa snobs, we are a very open community. And we we love having first timers come and show us their their salsa, their homemade salsa. You know, if anything, salsa snobs is a great way to get internet points fake internet points <laughs> and share your salsa with us. Um, we do um, try to answer any questions that people have. Uh, if one of the moderators don't answer the question, the community is more than happy to answer the question. Um, come in for recommendations, recipes. We do get a, a lot of people sharing different um, taco places they go to and sharing the salsa there. And, you know, you come in for, like I said, recommendations. Um, but most importantly, share your salsa with us so that way we can continue to grow the community and learn about more salsa. And it's not that hard. Like you said, it's not that hard to make and the rewards are great. So it's a low risk, high reward. Uh, Definitely. Endeavor. There you go. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Jacob. Okay. And Alice, it's been a pleasure. Hopefully this um this will this will be good content for you guys. Oh, it's amazing. You gotta say welcome back to a podcast with strangers. This is the I mean I didn't hear an it's interview. A, what, I didn't hear an interview though. It's it's it, I mean I'm not gonna play the interview for you in the recording. I thought you were going to bring someone in for me to interview. No, you're not interviewing them. Jake's I'm interviewing. Not interviewing them? I you thought you were going to interview them. Yeah, that's why I agreed to do this. I thought it would be funny to fuck with people. Now, the, the interview, we already recorded the interviews. Just say, say, welcome back to a podcast for strangers. Say that. Welcome back to podcast for strangers, I guess. We are, uh, that was some fun stuff I didn't get to listen to. Right, Dallas? Yeah, that was some salt. I learned a lot. I was actually in this interview, so I did actually learn a lot about salsa and uh, the salsa making community. It's pretty cool. Fucking riveting shit. Yeah, that's what we do here on this podcast, as you know, AMAC, is we uh, we inform the listener on new interest and hobbies. And, you know, I think that's cool. I think it's cool that we're finally making informative content. Is that what the is that what the idea is? I thought it was more of like a weirdo lottery kind of deal. Yeah, I mean that sometimes happens, but we don't go looking for it. No, okay, sure you don't. What's next? Uh, we we do a recommendation section, so like like recommend anything or like what? Yeah, like anything you want to recommend. Uh, Jake Jake recommended beans once. Beans, just like beans. Yeah, I like beans, like, you know. That you eat? So it's a British thing. British people like beans. And you put it on their toast, I know. Oh, see, you know more than me, then. It's pretty disgusting. Anyways, go on, go on. I'll go first. I want to recommend 
uh, plastic dice, you know, like the, the resin cast dice. Those are pretty cool. I really like using them. I like collecting them because they come in different colors sometimes. I'm really fond of the Chessex brand. I think that's what they're called, Chessex. Yeah, fucking dice. That's great. That was amazing. I want to recommend uh, Hikaru Ga Shinda Natsu, The Summer Hikaru Died by Moku Ren. It's an ongoing BL horror series. Um, basically, these two best friends who have subtle gay feelings with each other, we wouldn't know anything about that. Uh, one of them goes missing in the mountains or some shit, comes back, and he's like the thing, you know, the movie The Thing with like the, the weird parasite thing. What does BL stand for? Boys Love. Huh. Okay, so he's a big monster thing. Yeah, I realize this is a weird thing to recommend. Let's move on to the next guest. Okay. Uh, it is Pierre, the horror expert. Hey, that's a good segue, actually. Good job. Hi, I did it. Woo! wonder if Pierre knows anything about boys' love. Probably not. Damn it. My next guest is Pierre from Kentucky. Pierre, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Um, so I have you on because you are a horror movie buff. You know way more than me. I would I would go as far to say you probably know more than most people about horror films. I think you've seen more than most people do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I've heard from other people that you are a big fan of the obscure horror films. Oh, very um, much. <laughs> right. So tell me about that. Where, where do you find these these obscure horror films? Oh, God. Um, so I guess where that started was um, honestly like on YouTube. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> when I was like really young, I would just get on YouTube and go down these rabbit holes of watching like just random Asian horror movies that people had uploaded. Mm -hmm. And um, honestly, I love all of them. <laughs> Are you into the more um, campy horror? Are you into the more serious sort of horror? Uh, I'm into all of it, honestly. Okay. <laughs> so you started with the, with, the, with the YouTube and you went down the rabbit hole. And, and where did that lead you? Uh, I don't know. I guess just kind of like a passion for horror, really. Nice. Um, especially foreign horror. I think a lot of people don't give it a chance because mm -hmm. subtitles and all that. And especially with um, like different Asian horror, you really get to see what scares an entire culture. And that just always mm. fascinated me. That's a really good point. Yeah, because horror is kind of like a reflection of what, what we're really insecure about deep down yeah. and everything like that. So... There are obviously different types of horror. There's like you've got your suspense, um, you have your jump scares, um, you have your monster that's clear as day, you know, like the creature from the Black Lagoon, you know, so things like that. What's your favorite type? Um, or maybe what's your what's your favorite way of being scared? I don't know if you even get scared. Do you get scared by these films anymore? So that's really funny. Um, uh, <laughs> Since starting the horror server, and I obviously ramped up how much horror I actually watch, I <laughs> did eventually get a bit desensitized to a lot. But yeah. the original type of horror that I watched that scared me when I was like 13 
still scares me. And I think that's maybe just nostalgia that uh-huh. still scares me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the creepy Asian girl stuff, the ghost, you know, all that kind of stuff really scares me still. That gets to you? <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what gets me signs with Mel Gibson. Yeah. That gets to me when um when it comes up on the television and the kids are at like a birthday party and they can see the alien from the window and you you want to see it but you don't want to see it. That is <laughs> uh, yeah. God. Really good. So um does I remember uh paranormal activity that was huge um a few years back. Yeah. So so were you into those at all? The the paranormal activity saga? No, not at all. I actually have a no. pretty funny story about seeing that movie. <laughs> Cuz I remember the hype around that right. and when it came to theaters and I was like super excited because they had presented it like it was going to be super scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course I'm like, all right, I'm down. It's a new kind of uh, style of horror. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I went to go see it and I was so upset. I actually left and asked for a refund. Wow. <laughs> because I just, I thought it was silly. I didn't think yeah. it was scary at all. <laughs> yeah. There's, I feel like um, there are definitely some tropes that, that horror movies are falling into in, in this present yeah. decade, which is like violins um, you know, there's the high string, there's a jump scare. Yeah. That sound effect is like, doom, like that sort of sound effect, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, and I think, um, I don't know if you agree with me or not, do you know the film A Quiet Place? Um, I know of it. Right. Yeah. John Krasinski and Emily Emily Blunt. Um, I th- That film revealed the monster in the first 10 minutes. And I feel like a lot of films benefit from hiding what we're scared of. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a really good point about that. Um, I actually haven't seen A Quiet Place. I I try to space out new horror just because, to be honest, I don't like most of it. And I'm sure this has been said over and over again. But for me, and I find it true that, yeah, hiding Mm -hmm. the scariest part of the movie is actually turns out to be way scarier because whatever you can think of mm-hmm. in your imagination is going to be way, way scarier than what someone can put on a screen. Yeah, absolutely. Because your brain's going, okay, what is it? What is it? What is it? And, you, and you, it's like an itch. You want to scratch it, you know? And I'm sure you're, I, I, I'm sure you have the same opinion as me, but practical effects have a nice charm to them. You know? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And um, if you, if you bust the load, and you see the uh, the monster in the first ten minutes, and it's CGI. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It kind of ruins it for me. Do you have any films that you know of that have great practical effects that you think people should check out? Absolutely, The Void, hands down. Um, I will say this about The Void: The Void gets a lot of crap, and I think that's a simple reason. I think that if you love horror, you right. will love The Void. I think that's a movie made for horror lovers i haven't heard of this film really no i haven't heard of the void oh yeah if you're looking for they do like the old school like effects i mean oh right some of the best effects i've seen yeah like john carpenter's the thing that's got some incredible special effects you know yeah but uh i mean for its time of course maybe of all time though i mean yeah oh well yeah it's limited but 
you have to imagine. I think part of the charm of horror films is is the um, the imagination that goes into them. Yeah, definitely. Because no nobody's watched a horror film, liked it, and thought, "Yeah, I really liked how that played it safe." You know. <laughs> right. <laughs> no yeah, I think that. horror is definitely a, a genre where excess is encouraged, even if it's terrible. Exactly. So does that has that inspired you to come up with anything? Um, you know, make your own maybe short film or maybe feature film, a horror film? Not anything in film. Um, I used to be really into drawing. Mm -hmm. um, that was kind of my creative outlet. I think horror comics are something that's fairly untouched, at least because I'm a huge graphic novel fan. Yeah. And I don't feel like many people approach it really because movies make a lot more money. So, you know, there's an incentive there. So do you have any comics that you know of or graphic novels that you know of that are horror themed? Oh, definitely. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so majority of my collection is um, Japanese, actually. Right. Which is I'm even good. more niche. But. Well, are we thinking of the same guy? Are we thinking about the guy, um, what's his name, Junji? Ito. Ito? Uh -huh. Yeah, that's the man with the, the rock holes. So I have all of his... Uh, I have Hideshi Hino. I also have Kazu Mezu. Mm -hmm. um, then I uh, one I would recommend just for like an American comic is Black Hole by Charles Burns. I think that's a really great horror graphic novel. Yeah, it's interesting that you said a bunch of Japanese authors or mangakas, I guess I should say. Um, yeah. And it shows that the Western world hasn't really caught up to it yet. Well, that's actually... I think they're catching on now, which is okay. odd. <laughs> Do you know why? I have no idea. I noticed that it picked up like three years ago, maybe. It mm -hmm. might be because Hot Topic picked it up. Oh, I see. I think they started carrying Junji Ito, uh, mm -hmm. like t-shirts and comics and stuff, and then it kind of blew up. For the listeners who are listening in and they don't know who Junji Ito is, he's a very famous... Um, I don't know what you'd say, writer? Or well, the correct term would be mangaka, but if people don't know what that means, how would you say it? Would you just say creator? Horror, horror comic book? Yeah. Creator, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he has these infamous stories, these, these like huge, hugely influential. Um, I think some horror directors have actually been influenced by him. I can't name yeah. any off the top of my head, but it wouldn't surprise me. Um, one of them, for example, involves... I haven't actually read the story, so correct me if I'm wrong, but... <laughs> okay. There are holes in the side of the mountain. Is that right? There's holes and they're people-shaped. Yeah, I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, and each one corresponds to a person. And then if you fit inside one of them... Well, this I won't spoil it for you, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason it's a horror film. Oh a horror, horror creator, sorry. But he's a really nice guy in person. He's a really like oh. positive and happy guy. He's like so cute. I watched yeah. an interview with him and I just died. He was like, "Here's my cats. Here's my artist <laughs> studio," and he's like drawing like the most horrific scene. <laughs> I mean, you could ever imagine. And it's like he's so. And I find that to be consistent, like with yeah. most people heavily involved with horror. Is like they're like the chillest, nicest people. <laughs> they're like yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, the guy behind um, Studio Ghibli, what's that guy's name? Uh, oh, Miyazaki. Miyazaki. He's um, 
he's a really depressed guy. He's like, he hates everything. He's oh, really, really, yeah. <laughs> so I've heard. He's just like, oh, fuck life. Yeah. And then in his works, he's very positive. It's nice. My neighbor Totoro <laughs> and all that. So, That's funny. I've never heard that actually. And then Chijito is just like, yeah, I love life. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, um, but see, people that are so into horror, they're maybe more accepting of the darker parts of life. So maybe they're more well-adjusted. I don't know. Maybe they can handle it better or something. That's, that's a really good point. I totally agree with that. Like, I'm not and I'm not saying that to, to say like, oh, people are like horror just better than others. But like, I think you see a lot with comedy too. You see a lot of like people who like darker comedy or, or, or black comedy, like gallows humor. I think those are people who have seen some shit, you know, like those are the people who've been through something and it's a way of them to, to laugh. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe people who have been in traumatic situations or perhaps they have like mental health issues or something like that. And they, and they maybe it's a, it's a, it's a form of escapism, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. So I, I totally agree with that. Totally, totally. Yeah, it's kind of funny starting um, a horror server right as the like pandemic started, basically, because mm. that's kind of kicked off around March. And the, the horror server came around maybe like two or three weeks after. So it's pretty soon. Mm. And I guess like most people, you would think, well, why would you want to <laughs> watch a bunch of horror movies? Yeah. But um. I think especially for people with anxiety that horror movies are pretty healing, really. Which is so funny. You wouldn't think it. You wouldn't right. think being terrified would help you. But I, I guess it, it just channels the emotions into something. Yeah, and it provides like a controlled, safe way to mm. kind of, yeah, deal with anxiety. Do you think that horror movies are an eventuality of our culture? Because way back in France, back at the turn of the century, or maybe even a little bit before, for example, they used to guillotine people in the town square, and people used to come and just watch it. Like, oh, it, was just, like it was just an yeah. everyday point of life. Like you would just see a severed head. Yeah. Then obviously the world got more civilized and everything like that, and we don't do that anymore. But I think we still have that sort of curiosity about, yeah. about blood or you know, monsters or things like that. So would you agree that that horror will never go away? It will always be a part, you know, is that a fair assumption to make? Yeah, always. I mean, I think people are, you know, they want ways to explore what they're afraid of. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's people that hate horror. That's totally fine. I mm -hmm. get that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. I think horror is obviously the most interesting genre because people think of it and they think like blood, death, jump scares. Right. But especially when you start digging around into like obscure horror and kind of the weirder stuff, like they really go into like every kind of topic, mm -hmm. you know, that you could think of. Yeah, there's, there's a film uh, I watched last year and I can't remember the name of it, but maybe you can help me out it's about um, a woman and two kids in a cabin during a snowstorm oh yeah yeah uh i'm not good like on the spot with names but i know what you're talking about it's yeah. a newer yeah. one 
It's very, yeah, it's, it's fairly new. That is psychological. Yeah. That's a psychological horror film. I heard it was super depressing. <laughs> so the film is called The Lodge, um, and it's that is a great horror film because it's psychological. There's no monster. There's no um, Jason Voorhees, whatever his name is, or Freddy. Um, it's just purely how the human mind can break under pressure. Um, and that's scary because that's you have one of those. You have a brain. But it's it's funny. People, Somebody would say 127 Hours is a horror too. Would you agree with that? Funny. That movie keeps getting brought up. Yeah, I could see that. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> or um, Chicken Run, some people would say, would be a horror. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> I, I remember seeing that movie in theaters when I was a kid and i was like so traumatized by that movie <laughs> oh my god that's like probably like planted the seed of like vegetarianism in me honestly so and then, you, you would agree that chicken run is yeah, a horror <laughs> yeah i mean i vaguely remember it but like it's i yeah it stayed with me and i saw it with my uh, brother-in-law and he terrorized me about that movie forever he was like we're gonna go get chicken tenders after this movie i mean it was like <laughs> i was i was like it's <laughs> <laughs> so funny that you bring that up <laughs> yeah i suggested a horror movie watch along i thought wallace and gromit in the curse of the were rabbit because that's body horror <laughs> you know I love body horror. that's that is- actually probably my favorite Body horror, it's a transformation. It's a were-rabbit. Yeah. It's human to were-rabbit. That's body horror. It's classified as a horror. Yeah. Body horror is so great. <laughs> it's funny because The Shape of Water isn't a horror, even though it has a monster in it. It's a romance film. So it's interesting how these genres can be uh, yeah. mixed and matched. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we have reached the end of our interview. We've had a great time. Um, but what we like to do to our guests before they leave uh, is to give them a platform for them to promote something, promote themselves, uh, give a shout out to a person in their lives, um, give a message to the world, and you can do, you can say whatever you want within reason. Um, but also, you can promote multiple things. We just like to give people a chance to, you know, get something out there. So right. this is your time with no interruption. Go. I'm just going to keep it simple. And if you want to watch some horror movies, you can join us on Discord. It's a horror together. Is there a, is there a URL for this? Yeah, I have a link. Okay, we'll put that yeah. um, in the podcast. I'm part of the server. Um, so right. if any listener wants to join, you may actually uh, bump into me. Because I actually watched... <laughs> um, what was that film we watched recently? The Nighthouse? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm probably going to stream right after this, too. <laughs> hey, there you go. I might be, I might come along for it. So, yeah, come along, as uh, Pierre said, to the horror movie server. Um, some of you uh, may be thinking, maybe you're not strangers because you're in a the server. There's so many people in this server that I don't know any of them, really. Yeah. So, <laughs> which is great. It's a great community. Um thank you so much for coming on and for telling us a little bit about your your horror expertise yeah for sure thank you i love talking about horror (laughs) no worries thank you you didn't play the interview again i mean i'm not gonna play the interview for you i'm not gonna sit here to make you listen to the interview how am i supposed to know what the fuck to wrap up this is like 
This is an impossible task you've given me. You agreed to this. You agreed to doing I, the fucking I, I, episode. I figured it would have some semblance of structure and sense to it. It, it does for the listener. The listener gets all of the context. You don't need it. I don't need it? You don't need the context. What do, I, what, what do I need to say for the last thing then? What does Jake do? We have a we have a big spiel. A big spiel about what? A big spiel about uh about you know where to find us and where to you know uh join join us to you know uh, read off the Twitter information. God, I don't know what the information is. I I don't have it written everywhere. I don't even does he remember this shit? I don't. This is, I have a headache. Can I just go? Oh wait, Are wait. We gotta finish. It? No, there's. You gotta rate us five stars on iTunes. He says that. Can you say that? I, he, say it. Go and rate us one star on no! iTunes and call us no! racist. What Please call us racist on iTunes. Don't. don't. Do it. No. Is wait. There's more. One more. Uh, at strangers PDCST. What, P- oh, podcast. Podcast? It's like podcast without the vowels. Oh, he's one of those people. God, that's such a Jake move. Fuck. Just go go like us on Twitter, please. Please, come on. Yeah, maybe eventually Dallas can get a real host. I mean, I fuck him. Jesus Christ. Just say, say, do the do the teaser Easter egg thingy, please. Teaser Easter egg thing? What are you talking about? Oh, my God. I I don't know. what What is it? What am I teasing? Uh, you're gonna say this word. Bye. Say the word for this week is bye. Just say that twice. It has to be twice. The word for this week is bye. Bye. No, not the word twice. You have to say the whole thing twice. The word for this week is bye. The word for this week is bye. Thank you. Harvard Boys. Sons of bitches. Dead set medium. Good.